HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food and drink lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Samuel Adams, Brewing the American Dream. Hear stories from their inspiring entrepreneurs on Let's Talk About Food, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler, Executive Director of HRN. HRN is dedicated to amplifying voices from all across our food system. Today, I'm asking listeners to take part in our summer membership drive by helping sustain our mission to expand the way eaters think about food. As a thank you for this tax-deductible donation, you can receive some great HRN swag, including the HRN cap, wine carrier, or a special spice set from Burlap and Barrel. By becoming a member, you'll play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to become a member today. Thank you for your support. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Tother Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Guys, I've missed you. Yeah, man, we've really <laughs> yeah. missed you, dude. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah. kind of maybe sort of for good reason. Yeah, well, I've been moving. And yeah. um, uh, Jamie and I bought a place. Uh, we bought a farm, uh, like a hilltop farm in West Marin County. Damon Bolte um, bought the farm. Yeah, I bought the farm <laughs> too early. Um, no, it's, it's actually really funny because like I grew up on a farm and I still partially on that farm you don't say yeah i mean it's not just i didn't just like create a look man <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a real thing um but yeah it's kind of funny i've kind of come full circle but it's really nice because you know what man new york's always there yeah la's always there san francisco's always you know there those cities are there and you know it's there I, I love visiting and um i still technically pay rent in new york city um, so I can still say that I'm a New Yorker, but, um, yeah, it's nice, man. Um, got like three acres, so I'm going to start growing some stuff on the land and hopefully, uh, you know, just, you know, settle into it real nice and, you know, you guys come out sometime and I'll show yeah, you man. what I'm up to. 
I'm packing my bags and coming already. Listen, uh, are you interested in the idea of any kind of uh, livestock? Can I get a couple of goats? Because you got hillside and a little hilltop you were saying off the air. Yeah. Think about maybe growing some grapes. Got to have a couple of animals running around, don't you? Well, yeah, goats. I mean, they're, you know, that that's my landscaping uh, Exactly. <laughs> they, they, yeah. They're free lawnmowers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're like the original uh, like uh, Roomba or whatever. Yeah, totally. <laughs> just roam around, keeping things in check. I'm gonna name one of them that. Um, yeah, I mean, like the yeah, the cool thing is, like you know, it's California, so like, and it's a hillside, and I mean, that's where you plant. Like most vineyards plant on on hillsides, you get like a nice water runoff, and it's like kind of a natural irrigation kind of situation. So yeah, man, I, I think I'm gonna grow some grapes, and then I have a I I own a grappa still somewhere in New York. It, it's in storage. <laughs> I remember getting it and storing There's an it. Somewhere. Ancient treasure map that leads yeah, the way yeah. to where it is. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, maybe I'll start making at least you know some some eau de vie and, and grappa and things like that. Um, and a little it, wine if you can get that. And well, you got to make wine you, first, obviously. You got, yeah, exactly. Wine comes first. If you got some goats, you know, you can get a little goat milk. I'll come out there. I'll make some soap. Remember, shower trues. Oh uh, yeah, shower <laughs> trues. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> finally, finally, everything's fucking coming together. Yeah, <laughs> it's taken us like a decade, but we got there. <laughs> Holy cow! Well, I like you know. So, thanks for being patient with me while I've gone through this process for the last couple of weeks. Uh, in my absence, I listen to the shows, and you guys are doing a great job as always. So, thank you for that. Ah, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, we we missed you. It's good to have you back. Yeah, great yeah, to be back. But, yeah, absolutely, totally. Your voice is is necessary for the show. Um. And uh, um, speaking of the show, Greg, who's in the virtual studio with us today? Oh, man. In the virtual studio with us today, all the way from Ireland, we have Whoa. Stephanie Shen. How's it going, Steph? Hi. Good to have you back. Thank you. I was just going to say I really love what you guys have done with the place. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. We really made it our own, you know? Yeah, right, we brought it's... some goats in here. Roomba and Dyson are doing a good job keeping the place neat. <laughs> yeah, they're very friendly as well. They're very people-oriented. Yeah. The eyes. It's the eyes. They freak me out. Um, <laughs> That's the best part, man. Yeah. So welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. How have you been? Oh, we've been great. We've been great. And, uh, you know, in your honor, I poured myself a little whiskey. I'm at my band's studio right now. This is where I'm going to start doing the show from, uh, which makes sense. I mean, we record in here. Um, and so the, the, everything's already set up all the audio and everything. So, uh, but you know, as you might imagine, much like the heritage radio network studio, our little corner of it anyway, we've got a bar in here and, (laughs) (laughs) and so, uh, even though it's 9am, uh, (laughs) here in California, it's 5 p.m. Definitely. here, guys. It's yeah, actually exactly. 5.13. So feel it's free to 5 o'clock somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yes, you are. You know we what have, I mean? We have verified that it is, in fact, 5 <laughs> o'clock somewhere. Yeah. Sure. Someone in the conversation is literally somewhere where it's 5 o'clock. So we're yeah. all good. Yeah, so we're all covered. That's good for everyone, really. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually drinking dead, uh, the Dead Rabbit whiskey, too. I have some yes. in here uh, that, yeah, I brought out from New York. Um, and, yeah, so that's just happened to be like the perfect setting for uh, for our show today amazing i'll slip you that 50 i promised after or bitcoin i took bitcoin side hustle. gotta pay that mortgage buddy yeah so what's going on like let's let's catch up here um i mean like i i'm happy to be drinking irish whiskey right now as always um but what's what's been going on with you 
Well, you yes, may Steph, have. You, you, you've, you've changed roles since you were on a couple of years ago. Um, yes. It seems like you've just sort of accelerated your role. Talk, talk about what it was and what it is. Uh, so um, the last time that I was talking to you guys, I was the Global Brand Ambassador for Dead Rabbit Irish Whiskey. But now I'm officially the Global Brand Ambassador for the Dublin Liberties Distillery. This is where we insert the oohs and the ahs. Um, so <laughs> thank you. Ah. We'll, pu- we'll punch that up. In Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, So Dead Rabbit is one of the brands that sits under the umbrella of the Dublin Liberties Distillery. But there is two other brands as well. There's the Dubliner brand and then we have the Dublin Liberties um, Irish Whiskey brand as well. So I have essentially, when I was working with Dead Rabbit exclusively, it was really fun and really cool. But now I'm kind of like essentially like just diving headfirst into the world of whiskey. So it's been really cool because one of our brands is kind of more entry level, which is the Dubliner, and it's much more about accessible flavors. And then the Liberties range is where we're focusing on kind of premium single malts, age statements. So there's a whole spectrum of flavors that I just get to <clears throat> taste test for research and development purposes on a regular basis. So it's tasting, I'm not drinking. Delighted. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally counts. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so I basically have the best job in the world. That's that's it. Great. That sounds great. Um, so, you know, I was talking to someone the other day. I was teaching a class on blended spirits. And I always wondered um, what, like, there's, there's so many different ways of blending Irish whiskeys and different, like, Canadian whiskeys and scotch. Um, what are some of the different things that you're doing with these whiskeys, like, from brand to brand? Okay, so <clears throat> no, that's a big question, but no, we're here for it. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so the last time I was here, um, I told you guys about the Dead Rabbit Irish Whiskey. So that's what we would consider a premium blend. So it has an age statement that's five years old. The malt component is double distilled, um, and then we have kind of a finish on it. So there's that secondary aging. But the Dubliner is a focus of blends, but. We're kind of, it's much younger, so it's three-year-old blend of malt and grain, but the malt component on the Dubliner is much higher, uh, sorry, much lower than it would be on the Dead Rabbit. Um, so it's a much higher grain percentage. And for our entry level, which is just the Dubliner bourbon cask, it's only bourbon cask aging. There's no other finishes or anything added to it. And then we have kind of uh, a couple of... Um, liqueurs like whiskey based liqueurs they're kind of halfway between like a traditional liqueurs if you think of the mancello which is a neutral grain base and a singular flavor profile that they focus on we have our honeycomb liqueur which is um we use the base of our dubliner bourbon cask we add a little bit of sweetness a little bit of spice and we keep it at 60 proof so it's actually quite higher um alcohol strength yeah Um, and we we don't want to hone in on a singular flavor it's more about having kind of a, a flavor experience um, so that's kind of the the Dublin uh, the Dubliner range is more focused on like just kind of a bit more fun and funky. And then Liberties is like if you like whiskey, it's like this is where your head tends to turn because it's all about single malts. It's all about um, age statements. So we've got a five, a ten, a thirteen, and a sixteen. But we're kind of playing around with casks a little bit. So for the copper alley, oh my god, it's so cool. Yeah. So um, well, I guess I think the 
there's 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 um, a bit of a competition between myself and our new venue manager in our distillery about who can sell more of which whiskey. So she's a champion of our 13 year old, which has a funky name, which is the Murder Lane. Um, <laughs> and and then um, you, you, you got to uh, come on. There has, to be an, there has to be an explanation there. You don't just get to whiz past. Uh, oh, we get the Murder Lane. Uh, also, we have uh, you know Cherry Blossom or whatever. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, so actually, you guys might have noticed my voice is quite echoey. Um, and that's because, uh, oh, okay. Well, it was, it, I can hear my own voice. Maybe that's just how skulls work and headphones. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, there was a slight echo because I'm actually calling you guys from the distillery. So I'm currently in Dublin Liberty's distillery. Oh, cool. And um, so those three brands sit under the umbrella of the distillery, but um, it's called Dublin Liberties Distillery because it's a distillery that is based in Dublin in an area known as the Liberties. And the Liberties is actually really cool. So like Irish whiskey used to be essentially ruling the world of whiskey. So we have this time period we like to refer to as the golden era, and it was in the 1800s. And so Irish whiskey was responsible for 60% of global whiskey sales. So we were smashing it out of the park. Like we were absolutely dominating. Um, And the best of Irish whiskey was considered to be made in Dublin. So you could actually pay up to 25% more if a whiskey was made in Dublin versus anywhere else on the island. Um, And the best of Dublin whiskey was made in this neighborhood. And so the neighborhood is known as the Liberties because it was outside of the original city walls. And so what they used to do was whoever controlled the castle was like, oh, I don't want to police what's going on outside the walls. So they would gift parcels of land to various people and be like, this is your problem now. I just want X amount in taxes and then you're good to go. But the people that would get the land, like, so this happened across Europe where anywhere that kind of Normans invaded. So there was Liberties everywhere. Um, but usually what would end up happening is they were called liberties because the people who were gifted the land probably weren't local. So they were like, why would I invest in a police force or any kind of infrastructure or any funding really if I'm never going to be there and I'm not going to make any like massive amount of money off it. So they became the really fun places. So if you were in the Dublin liberties in the 1800s, it was one of the best places you could have been. So it was kind of like considered to be the best red light district in Europe. We had one of the best brothels in Europe, um, a lot of murder, uh, but all the fun stuff. Was <laughs> there has to be a downside, I guess. <laughs> There's like pros and cons, you know. Um, I feel uh, a little bit like a real estate agent where I'm like, this is how amazing it was. It's like, just ignore the murder part, but it was really fun. Um, and then there was two rivers in Dublin city centre. So one is the River Liffey, which is still there today. It cuts the city in half and it's massive. And that was great because it gave us loads of... Um, really great transport. So we were able to essentially become a center for kind of craft and industry. And in this tiny neighborhood, and I'm saying like, you can walk from one end of the Liberties to the other in like 10 minutes. There was up to 40 breweries and distilleries in the 1800s. And it is tiny neighborhood. And um, the second river is called the River Poddle. And that um, had like a cleaner water source than the Liffey. And so it meant that we had water for transport, but also a different water source for brewing and distilling. And uh, yeah, so you had 40 breweries and distilleries, one of which was the largest brewery in the world, which was Guinness at the time. One of which was the largest uh, whiskey distillery in the world, which was George Rowe. And 38 other random breweries and distilleries. So the Liberties was just kind of the fun part of town. 
they were just like anything that was considered like unsavory for high society was just kind of kicked outside the walls and you kind of ended up in the liberties. Yeah, um, it kind of sounds like, like a timeshare pitch for the purge. Basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are no rules in the liberties. Um, like 40, 40 distilleries and breweries and, and you can walk across in 10 minutes. Are you talking about Williamsburg? Right. Yeah. Right. This was, this was true of, of, of Brooklyn at a time. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of uh, lots of breweries that that became distilleries, and we have this sort of like uh, the bourbon barons here. Yeah. Oh, it's that's I right. love alliteration, so I'm really enjoying the bourbon barons aspect of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the liberties in Dublin is pretty unique in that once the walls came down, it actually is one of the only kind of parcels of land that maintained the identity of the liberties. They were like, you know what, we've just embraced this lifestyle of. Um, rascals um and so we're just going to keep that name and so it's known as the liberties until today you know um and so each of our skews so the dublin liberties whiskies each of our skews so we've got the five-year-old that's known as the oak devil then we've got the 10-year-old which is copper alley then the 13-year-old is murder lane and the 16-year-old is keeper's coin and each skew is from a story from this neighborhood so murder lane is um I guess it's the one that everyone hones in on and they're like, oh my gosh, Murder Lane. And I like, it's incredible. So I will never, ever be hired to promote tourism in Ireland ever purely because you're doing a pretty good job right now yeah (laughs) well wait until i tell you about murder lane so basically (laughs) so um there is an alleyway that still exists right so from the moment that we started keeping kind of records of uh, street names in dublin it's been known as murdering lane and it was it was called that because it was the best place that you could murder someone and i stand by that (laughs) like genuinely (laughs) so it's a laddie way, right? So so um, it actually doesn't have a name right now. But basically, um, you start at the bottom and it's kind of on a hillside, um, but it's stepped and it curves. So once you start walking on the bottom, you can't see what's at the top. It's right? like a blind start- spot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So at, at the other thing, yeah, it's so good. If someone who does a lot of murdering, I can tell you, I can vouch for that. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good murder spot right there. There's another bonus to this, which is that this alleyway is um, basically it's very high walls. So there's nowhere to run. So once you start walking down this alleyway or up this alleyway, that's it. Like if there's someone like waiting at the bottom and then they close in and you at top, like you are done for it. Um, so yeah, it's actually perfect. I actually, I was there. I was, because uh, it, it's just around it's like the corner. Ambush Alley. Yeah. Well, oh God, that would have been a much better name. They actually, they had a Dublin City Council meeting in the late 1800s and someone was like, hey, maybe we should change Murdering Lane. And everyone just laughed. And then when they stopped laughing, he was like, no, I'm serious. And they were like, but, but how would people know not to get murdered? And he was like, <laughs> I understand what it is. Yeah. 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 It's like, no, 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 this is important information. But the guy was like, well, you know, we want to promote tourism in Dublin. And I think that possibly having a street called Murdering Lane might put some people off. You know what, Um, though? It might also have the opportunity. Decorate it with crows. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, as someone who has a a bar that's based on like (laughs) some sort of like goth, like old French thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you can really capitalize on this. I mean, like, tourism. Yeah. Like, People travel all over to like, like, watch the like 
the Northern Lights or try to like find UFOs or whatever. It's like or go it, as it, fast as they can around Dead Man's Curve. You yeah, know? all that all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's like I, I I bet that like there could be like a Discovery Channel show on this, like like people daring each other to like go through murdering murdering lane and it's kind of like right. a rite of passage in the dark of night you know yeah on, on the full moon or whatever yeah like totally <laughs> yeah but we don't work for the tourism uh association of ireland you do apparently because you're selling yeah. us on it <laughs> thank you so much you know what before this conversation i was like i'll never be hired i use the word murder way too often when i talk about dublin but now <laughs> i'm like you know what maybe this is what we need yeah. <laughs> the best place ireland to get murdered tomorrow. in all of europe yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> easy place at least um well let's talk about what's in the bottle oh <laughs> my talk, god we talked about where it's got its label now let's talk about what's in the bottle. actually i want to i want to talk about this real quick oh. you must be so excited about having a book i remember when i went from i i love brooklyn gin i was the brand ambassador for them but when i went from having one skew to having multiple in a book i just like i felt like i was like just exploding into space right you know it's like you get to talk about so many different marks different expressions you must be so excited right oh my gosh it's my dream job so i can like, hear it in your voice <laughs> i know like the last time i was on and i was like this is my dream job and i'm dripping with enthusiasm but it's like i don't know how but somehow i've crammed more enthusiasm into my body <laughs> and i'm just like i honestly like i know a lot of people say it's like really cliche but this is legitimately my dream job there's a whiskey for every occasion now so i'm like no matter what the weather is outside no matter whether you're new or you're like super experienced experienced in whiskey it's like i have something for you to put in your mouth hole and you will enjoy it <laughs> it's incredible i'm like so excited awesome well let's hear about them okay oh my gosh okay so i feel like i'm starting off with one of uh, the team's favorites so um as i said the dublin liberties range are all single malts they're all age statements so 5 10 13 16 um, and then they also they're all 46 percent abv or 92 proof gosh that oh, that's cool. is like silly in my brain and i was like wait yeah. is that double um yeah so 92 <laughs> 92 proof but they're all also non-chill filtered Very so cool. it means that they all have really great mouthfeel um but the 13 specifically i'll talk about just because it's obviously the funnest name but um it is one of our favorites so it's up until a couple of months ago it was the only irish single malt on the market with the finish but basically it spent 13 years in an ex-bourbon cask. And then we took it out and put it into Topai seasoned Hungarian oak casks. Oh, cool. So it is incredible. Like, it's so interesting. So I'm not the biggest fan of Hungarian oak on its own because I just find it very aggressive. Uh, out of all the oak types, it tends to be the one that kind of adds the most spice and it's the driest but it's really well balanced by the sweetness of the tokai and it's almost like the dr jekyll and mr hyde out of our range because yeah. as soon as you add a couple of drops of water it goes from being this really lovely floral tropical on the nose um, and there's a little bit of like marzipan sweetness and then as soon as you add some water it's like bah here's some tobacco here's some coffee bit of leather do you like things dry i like things dry uh, <laughs> sorry you couldn't see the finger guns but there was very clear finger guns happening there <laughs> i could hear the finger guns yeah, <laughs> yeah they were audible um yeah so it's it's an incredible liquid In, like it's so it's just yeah it's liquid gold i feel like whiskeys like that and even brandies and rooms like that once you like let them open up a little bit 
with its with water or with time like aeration like they mm -hmm. really start to like start kicking like the fruit kind of like takes a back seat and then the oak really starts coming mm -hmm. up and just like exploding and that's it kind of sounds like what you were describing yeah like and Tokai, like I, I just i was just kind of like trying to think about like there's like i always feel like there's kind of like an apple-y kind of thing going on there yeah. and you've got like the ex-bourbon like that there's a cool combination very it's american also <laughs> and then like at 92 right. proof like that's not that's really uncommon for an irish whiskey right i mean they're usually like I think there's definitely be there's 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 a lot of changes that are happening in Irish whiskey, and this is what makes it, in my opinion, the most exciting spirit category at the moment. It's just that there is so many kind of micro trends that are happening purely because of the experimentation. Like even the last time I was talking with you guys, we had a really brief conversation about how there was kind of only two operating distilleries in the 1980s, and then we were kind of up to I think 31 the last time I spoke to you. Today is 42. Like we have 42 operating whiskey distilleries on the island. Right. That's a big jump in just two years. That's incredible. Like um, we've also, uh, I think last year we hit the 14 million case mark as a category, which means that our growth over the past decade is 150%. Mm. So like we're, we're doing pretty well guys. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, so like I read a quote today from um, someone very prominent in the Irish whiskey industry, and they basically reckon that specifically in the US, Irish whiskey is going to surpass um, scotch as a category by 2030. Because at the moment in the US, we're averaging out between 5.5 and 6 million cases per year, and scotch has stagnated at eight. So... Wow. Okay. I don't think this is this doesn't surprise me at all. I think the American palate is is probably much more tuned to uh, Irish whiskey than Scotch whiskey. Uh, that's just just based on what we know, right? We we drink a lot of bourbon here. We drink a lot yeah. of uh, not as you much rye as I think we should. Hey, Souther. Yo, what's up? Also, global warming. You know what I mean? People think uh, about yeah. it. Scotch. Yeah. <laughs> we got yeah. we got to throw in some politics here. Um, no. <laughs> sure. I've got a friend who was in Scotland this past week, and uh, they 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 were loaded up on the plane and ready to take off, uh, and then they got deplaned because the this was two days ago because the tarmac was melting. Oh my gosh! In Scotland. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So that. <laughs> well, we I actually... was making a joke, but. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, jokes on you, buddy. Damn. Because it's because it's real. Jokes on all of us, really. Well, yeah, so, yeah. so we're experiencing a heat wave in Europe currently. I think in we're just kind planet, of... In the planet, yes. Well, <laughs> in the planet. Um, but uh, we recorded the highest temperature in Dublin since we've started recording temperature on Monday. Like, so since oh the 1800s, yeah. we yeah. hit 33 degrees Celsius in Dublin city center. Like, that is insane. So I was in here yesterday and the distillers are melting at the seams. They're like, please release us from this. Wow. Um, and I didn't consider because when you're in Ireland, it's not something that you ever really like you think is going to be an issue. But I was talking to the guys yesterday and I was like, gosh, it must be pretty tough, you know, working in a distillery with this heat, yada, yada, yada. And they were like, yeah, it's actually like affecting our production schedule. Mm -hmm. Right. Because the temperature has just gotten so high that uh, the stills are taking longer to run and we can't cool the water enough in the condensers. Oh, and yeah. I was like, how is this happening in Ireland? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, not to mention if it's, if it sustains, 
which you know, knock on wood that it doesn't. But mm. if it sustains, then that's going to change the game in your in your rickhouse as well, right? Right. Yeah. It's going to change yeah. what's going on in the barrel. That's going to change what the flavor notes yeah. come out on the other other side. So these are these are all you know, hopefully slow moving changes that you can adapt to as they go. But they're they're either way they're changes, right? Yeah, it's it's just it's fascinating, I guess. It's also, I mean, I was considering the fact of like the angels share, even like if yeah. this was a sustained, you know, every year we're going to get like just hotter and hotter and have more and more of these heat waves. Just there's so many aspects that you wouldn't think would affect it, but they're all just these tiny little subtle changes that could really change the industry, which is already eternally evolving in this kind of exciting evolution period, yeah, anyway. We're definitely already seeing a lot of that happening these days, but let's let's take a quick break, and mm-hmm. uh, when we get back, let's definitely tap into that some more. Um, we'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Speakeasy, and we're glad to have you here. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> I'm Louisa Kasdan, host of Let's Talk About Food. I recently hosted an exciting live podcast event in Boston and interviewed incredible women entrepreneurs who have received small business coaching from the Samuel Adams Brewing the American Dream program. When I was applying to law school and I got in, I said, you know what, I'm still young, let me pivot and go into the food industry and really follow my passion. I was kind of scared. It was a new thing to me. It was like, hey, I don't want me in the newspaper. I just want to be in my room in my house. (laughs) So that was when I'm like, okay, now that I'm in the local newspaper, I better not disappoint the people that, you know, that have this belief in me. And on the days that you're tired or you feel defeated, just keep going. And 10 people might tell you no, but that doesn't mean that's your end result. You just have to keep going. Hear their stories on Let's Talk About Food, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again to Samuel Adams Brewing the American Dream for supporting this episode. So Southern, since the last time you and I were here, it is still summer, it is still hot, and, and, good news, Heritage Radio Network's summer membership drive is still going strong. Yeah, in full swing, I would say. Uh, and we're getting lots of uh, uh, friendly donations from tons of people, lots of people re-upping uh, on their one-time donation, and plenty, plenty, plenty of people are signing up to do the recurring gift option, which I think is great as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it's, and it's just such a great way to support uh, a network that gives us a lot of creative freedom. You know, I can certainly say a lot of stuff on this show that I wouldn't get to say everywhere else, but also it's amazing that they <laughs> give us and, and other people like us a chance to, uh, you know, tell stories from the food and beverage industry that you wouldn't get to hear it really. I don't think anywhere else. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, uh, you know, this is us making a call to action to our listeners, please. Uh, if you want to help make the world a more equitable, sustainable, and delicious place, join our community here at Heritage Radio Network. Uh, annual memberships go as low as $25 for the student membership, uh, all the way up to $1,000 for the VIP membership. All of them come with cool swag. Uh, at that highest rate, you get a studio tour uh, uh, and, and free pizza from Roberta's Pizza. You know, maybe one of us will come down and hang out with you for that. Uh, and there's, as I mentioned, there's also the recurring gift, which I think is the easier way to go. You just sign up for that. It's as low as $5 a month and up to 50 
uh, and then it'll just uh, automatically come out and go to the network and keep shows like ours on the air. You can set it, forget it, and then deduct it from your taxes at the end of the year, which we all love. Yeah, exactly. I, I always forget that, Greg, and you're smart for mentioning it every time. This is, of course, uh, we're a nonprofit here at Her- Heritage Radio Network, so this is a tax deduction. So, you know, if you like our, the content that you get from us, uh, consider donating for uh, donating to us and keeping us on the air. Uh, you know, we're a really valuable source uh, over a decade old of plenty, plenty, plenty of good content about food and drink uh, here at Heritage Radio Network. So uh, what's the website, Greg? Website is heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. You can also go to the main homepage and click on that lovely heart that's in the upper right-hand corner. Or just give us a quick Google and check it out. But we really, really appreciate everybody that uh, supports, donates, becomes a member, and uh, listens to our shows here on HRN. So keep up the good work, everybody. Yeah. Cheers, guys. And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. We're talking Irish whiskey with Steph Shen all the way from Dublin. And one thing we kind of touched on a little bit before the break that we wanted to, to make sure we talked about a little bit more is the fact that, you know, in the 1980s, there were only two functional Irish whiskey distilleries, and yet it's really come roaring back. And uh, we definitely wanted to talk about that that uh, rising from the ashes, transitioning nicely to our conversation about it being really, really hot earlier. <laughs> Uh, rising up out of the ashes, but also kind of what what innovations have been spurring this trend, and what what is what has changed both in your industry and in the world at large to make such a, a success story possible. Oh my gosh! I was like, wait, I was listening to you talk, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. I wonder who has to answer that. And then I realized I. Have to <laughs> oh right, you're the interviewee. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh gosh, questions. Um, it's so fascinating because I think that there's so many different components. Um, one of the biggest components, I think, for the current trends that we're seeing now has to be um, linked to cocktails. And you can't mention cocktails in Irish whiskey without mentioning Dead Rabbit. And I know that I work for, you know, the Irish whiskey, but even like that was part of the reason why I was so excited about this job is because, you know, Jack and Sean were essentially pioneers in changing consumer perspective on what Irish whiskey was. If you look at Irish whiskey drinking trends pre you know, dead rabbit uh, era. Um, we maybe we should make that official in our yeah, whiskey. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if you look at drinking trends, it would typically be um, either as a kind of shot or as a, a boilermaker type scenario. Sure. Other than that, it was exclusively used only in Irish coffees or in um, hot toddy type style drinks. So it was kind of deemed not a, a refined enough product for the world of cocktails. Even though the Tipperary is. Probably one of my favorite classic cocktails. Yeah. It's an incredible cocktail. Yeah. But I don't know if it's just um, Irish whiskey cocktail culture, but that only started coming back, uh, I would say, about five years ago. That was when that kind of started to become a thing. And this, I feel like, is very heavily influenced by the change in perception that the team over in the Dead Rabbit Bar were you know, at the forefront of. Because they took Irish whiskey, which was not considered a, 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 you know, a staple in the cocktail world, and they essentially went, actually, we're going to use this as our main champion. And they just championed the product. And they also helped to really showcase Irish whiskey as a category to the consumer. Because before that, people's perception of Irish whiskey would have been almost singularly focused on Jameson and or Bushmills. And like I mentioned on the previous time I was on with you guys, I genuinely think that Jameson are the Metallica of the whiskey world. Like they 
did all of the hard work and they essentially helped keep the Irish whiskey category alive alongside Bushmills with the two of them, you know, almost single-handedly without any support. They just kept trucking on even when we were in a continuous decline. Like at one stage in the US, Irish whiskey sales were only 2% of whiskey sales. Like that's insane, you know? And they just kept trucking on and, uh, you know, respectfully, I tip my hat towards Jameson and Bushmills for helping to keep our category alive um and um yeah but like it, you know so you've got kind of Jameson Bushmills there kind of carrying the load until there's more interest and more excitement about the category and then you've got um Jack and Sean and they are 100% driving this massive shift in perception of what is the category and what can it do within the world of cocktails which makes it just so much more accessible it makes it accessible to people who aren't you know, typical whiskey drinkers. And then we get to the last five years and someone who um, has actually had an incredible um, effect um, and impact in the world of Irish whiskey is Conor McGregor. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I want to tip my hat towards him, but... He might fight um, you for it. Oh, gosh, actually, yeah. I mean, mean, this this falls under the any press is good press rule, right? Yeah. I'm oh, like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> do I do I bleep? Do I, can we can we retroactively bleep out his name so that he doesn't put <laughs> me down? Because I'm technically in the same country. Um, no, but seriously, um, you know, I mean, whatever your personal opinions are on him as an individual, uh, he's the highest paid, you know, MMA fighter. He has global recognition, and he essentially built one of the biggest Irish whiskey brands within, I think, it was two years. And then sold it. So he's really, really shrewd businessman. But from him, you know, building a brand and he's kind of like one of the one of the biggest players that has entered into the world of Irish whiskey up until now. And he has absolutely driven um, a lot more interest amongst younger consumers towards the category as a whole. So, I, I you know, I, I, if I had a hat, I might tip it in the general direction because, you know, he's had such a massive positive impact. If we could just take away his personality, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> right. If only he could be more like The Rock. You know? <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, like, a Charming lot of these are, lovable. Yeah. yeah. A lot of these brands that are, like, like kind of celebrity-owned, um, you know, say what you will about them, but, like, man, they're they're really helping drive categories. Yeah. yeah. Oh, indeed. And I think they're also, frankly, driving some uh, quality and innovation. You know, if you're going to yeah. if you're going to be a celebrity that's that well known, either Conor McGregor or, or, or The Rock or George Clooney or what have you, you're going to put money into the product so that you don't uh, end up, you know, with egg on your face. And I think right. that that's helpful in many ways to the categories that, that these celebrities get, get involved in. Uh, you know, it's kind of a love them, hate them situation, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but integral i mean not integral but definitely hugely beneficial like even looking at the tequila category and everyone who has entered into that but you know how much they're driving it forward yeah i know it's at that point now where it's like maybe people are bored of celebrities and tequila but um you know it's it's any in my opinion anything that brings um people into the category um, of Irish whiskey, whether it be through younger blends, whiskey-based liqueurs, you know, premium age single malts, whether you're an Sanctioned MMA violence. fighter, yeah. you know, like all of those <laughs> things, like there's, there's a list, you know, it's like, there's probably murder is not allowed oh, on that list, probably. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I, I guess anything that helps to bring new people to the category is a boon, you know, it's, and as I said the last time, rising tide floats all boats. What was Mm. good for Conor McGregor promoting Irish whiskey was good for the category as a whole. Yeah. I think that the the cocktail thing is always important to talk about. Like, obviously, that's what we talk about the most here on the show. Yeah, and just like in in person, I mean, like where we go to talk about these things, we go to the, yep. the bars and and it's over a cocktail. And I mean, it's kind of taking it back to, I geez, like I remember my first Irish whiskey experience, and I was like twenty years old, underage. I was at a Dropkick Murphys concert in Dallas, yes! Texas, drinking <laughs> Bushmills out of the bottle. What an experience. Probably my one of my first hangovers, like like violent hangovers. Not because of the quality of the product, it's just the, the situation. Uh there was there's a lot of other things going on. Uh but um I think I probably got kicked in the head by someone in the mosh pit. Um, you know, the classic Is it really drop a dropkick Murphy's gig if you don't get kicked? Yeah, like- exactly. Yeah. And like it was it was one of like one of the most impactful moments. Of, of my experience with Irish whiskey. The other one, two very important moments in my life with Irish whiskey. The other one was sitting at the Dead Rabbit with Del DeGroff. He had just made me an Irish coffee because he was behind the bar doing it. And then he sat down next to me and then we talked about jazz. You know, like those yeah. are two wildly different moments, <laughs> you know, over the span of like 15 plus years, you know, uh, from one it to the just other. just describes the Irish whiskey perception for uh, every consumer exactly globally over 15 years. this too. I mean, like like the, that kind of experience, that kind of movement and timeline also, yeah. like it's, I think it's important to talk about just for a second, because I think it, it most... It, the most closely kind of like aligns with the timeline and kind of the perception, but mezcal, same kind of thing, right? Because like Mm -hmm. we used to have like one or two like crappy mezcals in the States and people were like, they, all they knew what to do, what to do with it was to shoot it. And now look at like, like these single focused bar programs, like, like single category, like agave, you know, mezcal and tequila bars. And then they got Irish whiskey bars. It's such a cool thing because it's, Something that people, and this is why I want to talk about this and point this out really quickly. Mezcal has always been something that people took, have taken such strong, deep pride in making. It's always mm. it's very family oriented, farming, like all this. And I feel the same way about Irish whiskey. But mm. for some reason, there was this perception or just a there was something lost in communication where it was like, no, the only way to drink it is just to get fucked up on it, you know? But my favorite whiskeys to sip on these days um uh, kind of like we were talking about this before but i don't really drink too much scotch these days i mm-hmm. drink bourbon but i drink bourbon and soda I like that's that's my drink i just drink highballs but the only whiskey that i really drink these days neat and really just sip and savor it is irish whiskey and i think that's come from like i don't know and it's it's been my own personal timeline where it's like all right i used to just like this would I would just take a bunch of shots of Jameson at the bar, like when we would be like playing shows because people, that's what people would always bring up to the stage for us. Mm -hmm. They bring like a round of shots for the band and it was always Jameson. And nowadays I'm like, I just want to sip on this and think about it. You know, like I don't, I don't want to slam this. Like someone put a lot of work into this. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the kind of point I guess I'm trying to make. And I think that we're finally at that point with Irish whiskey and we have been for a few years now, but, um, it's really fascinating to see like the category kind of like 
like mellowing out into it's as far as its perception it's like all right this is this is up there with your Johnny Walker Blues and your Pappy Van Winkles you know like in all those like sure it has it has layers and echelons but I would argue or not even argue I think we're saying this same thing I'm about to say the same thing it belongs in both rooms I still want to do shots at the Dropkick Murphys show yeah, totally I mean yeah, I, I haven't seen <laughs> and I still want to sit and oh, wax yeah. poetic about jazz music with uh, legends like Dale DeGroff uh, over an Irish coffee um but I think, I think that that's part those are of just the, two different rooms and two different times of the yeah. day, you know? But yeah. I, I also think that that's part of the beauty and part of what keeps me really excited about the category is that there is that diversity. Like, yeah. if you look at the regulations um, in comparison to Scotch, even, where they can only utilize oak, um, whereas we have freedom to use many different types of wood. As long as it's wood, it's kind of okay. We also have, um, you know, a, a sub-style, which is pot still, that's kind of unique to Irish whiskey. So we have four styles of whiskey as opposed to scotch, which just has three. And then, so we've got a lot more freedom in our grain. We've got a whole entirely different category, of, of, like subset almost within the category. And we have a lot of freedom within our wood. So we have this diversity where... We can make whiskey for any occasion. And so that's why I just think it's one of the greatest categories that there is yeah. right now. Because it's just, there's so much, even like in my current role with the three brands that I have, they're all so distinctive and they all serve a very different purpose. They're for different consumers at different points in their whiskey journey. And it's it's really incredible that we have this like breadth and depth of variety even under just our distillery umbrella. Yeah. That's what sure. makes it such a fascinating category, in my opinion. Awesome. I can't wait to visit the distillery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all coming. Uh, I've never been to Ireland. Uh, like, that's one of the few places like, that I've always wanted to go to that I haven't been to yet. And You know, uh, I haven't either. We need to rectify this. Oh my gosh, you absolutely need to come to Ireland. I know this great lane that you guys will love. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't tip me. Don't, like... Yeah. Don't dare me to go up murder alley or murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I remember. I think I remember hearing a great advertisement about this place actually fairly recently. <laughs> yeah. So, I, and and speaking of travel, I I wanted to ask Steph since you know uh, I wanted to have you on the show one because it's it's, mm -hmm. it's been a minute. It's always a delight to catch up with you. But also, mm -hmm. um, I wanted to ask. The last time we talked, we were all like deep hunkered down, like not going yeah. anywhere for the foreseeable future. And now, you know, this is a big travel week for a lot of people in our industry, you know, with, yes. with uh, tales coming up on, what is that, geez, five days from now. Yep. So I, I wanted to ask, like, what is it, what has it been like in your role as a brand ambassador? In fact, even stepping up your role as a brand ambassador to, to you know, what's changed now that the world is kind of tentatively putting its toe back in the water of being open again? Well, I get to see people in 3D human form. And that's it's always nice. Um, so I, I just I find that I'm enjoying my job even more than I was because, you know, talking into a screen is definitely it's fine, but it it, it, it wears on you after two years. Yeah. Um, so seeing people in person, getting to see people's like reaction to the whiskey, it makes it so much more personable. It's exciting. Um, I have been traveling a little bit. We're still a bit tentative because each market and each like I guess they all have their own kind of restrictions on what they're doing so that whilst there might not be legal restrictions on what you can do there could still be some reticent 
consumers who are like, I don't really want to do an in-person thing quite yet. So I don't think I've achieved like maximum BA level yet um, from a travel point of view. Um, but um, the first kind of time that I got let out of the cage, shall we say, I got to go to Sweden um, and I got to go on the Cinderella Fair, which is like the largest whiskey fair in the Nordics. And I had never... Um, I, I've never been on a cruise ship. I don't know if that's the correct term. People got really mad when I kept calling it a boat. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I was like, is it not a boat? And they were like, no, no, it's, I'm pretty sure ship is the correct one. Um, but yeah, basically you all get on the ship and then you drive to, or you sail, you ship, but you float to international waters. Um, and then it, it's technically like, uh, I guess, because it's international, you don't have to pay tax. So everyone just kind of went wild. And it was one of the first events where I got to see people and I was wearing a mask. And so I had like, I had my little setup because when I do shows, I like to do a little setup where I'll have like, you know, you got to have your strepsils because you're talking for three days in a row and you got to have your painkillers and your little barracas and your diora lights <laughs> and you're like super prepared for like literally anything. Um, and then I had my little, uh, like little bottle of hand sanitizer. I was the only person on a ship in a mask. I was like, this is so wild to me. Because in Dublin at that stage, we still had some mask requirements, but most places it was fine. But all across everywhere else, um, so across Sweden, Finland, um, I think they were the two main, Norway as well. They were kind of the main countries that people were coming from. There was no mask requirement. So I had this moment where the first day I was really paranoid where I was constantly like just, you know, using hand sanitizer. I didn't want to take off my mask. And it just kind of reached a point where it was like, if I'm the only person wearing a mask on this entire ship, it's not really, it's like, it's not effective at that point. I am a singular um, you know, like tiny pebble amidst the current of what's happening right now. And then there was a moment of liberation when I took the mask off. And I like, it sounds so corny when I say it, but I guess after two years, it's almost like you just adapt to it. So it was, I actually felt uncomfortable not having a mask on. It was like, I need to have this on my face and I need to have True. my hand sanitizer. And Damned if it, you do, damned if you don't. You're uncomfortable with it, you're uncomfortable without it. Yeah, so I think on the second day was when I took it off, and the guys that I was with from you know we were all, like we shared a stand with a couple of other brands, and and they all cheered because they were like, oh, she took it off, she's one of us again, and I was like, this is so bizarre. <laughs> but you do have that moment, so I was initially a little bit anxious, but then everyone was just so relaxed about it and so excited, and that was a fundamental shift for me because after that I was like, well. I guess like, it, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's just, we're, we're out of it now. So I guess that's okay. And then a week later I got COVID. So like <laughs> <laughs> that liberation didn't last that long. Uh, um, a week later but, you tested positive. You probably picked it up there. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just a wild experience and I didn't think that it would have such a, like it's a it's a moment in time I think I'll always remember it's just that moment of making the conscious decision of I guess I'll just take my mask off because it's actually quite difficult to speak to people when you lose half your face because there's a lot of lip reading and there's a lot of facial expressions and yeah it's just it was just such a bizarre experience but really I mean I'm delighted to see people in human form again 
Um, I've definitely become more comfortable with the idea of not wearing a mask now to the point where it's almost second nature to not wear one because we're not required to wear one in Ireland at all. Um, and a- any event I've gone to, I bring my mask, put it on, and the same thing happens where I'm the only person in the room in a mask. So it's just, it's, 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 very, it's a very odd stage of human life and human history right now. Yeah, of course. Um, to, to that end, though, uh, do you think you'll be traveling to, uh, are you coming for Tales of the Cocktail? Oh, I will not be coming for Tales of the Cocktail. Uh, I'm so upset about it. But um, we're hosting, uh, we're not hosting, um, there is uh, Ireland's biggest whiskey festival is being hosted in the same week. So it's Belfast Whiskey Week. Um, so I'll be um, peddling my wares um, up in Northern Ireland. Um, so I, unfortunately, I won't make it to Tales this year. I hope to make it to it in the future. Um, and hopefully I get across back to the U.S., um in the near future too but don't worry about stuff i'm actually not going this year either um and the reason why is because this show has been nominated this is our fifth year in a row to be nominated (laughs) and uh, for best broadcast podcast or web series and i i you know the other two guys you know these guys they're like yeah you know what it's best to be nominated every year because once you win you can't be nominated for another five years I just want to get it out of the fucking way and, <laughs> and have this crystal plate up somewhere, uh, you know, uh, proudly displaying it. Um, so I know that if I don't go, this will be the year that we win. So that's that's yeah. my kind of like my theory, my, my practice. Yeah, <laughs> you're like you're like jinxing it on purpose to to go the yeah, way that, exactly. we, that you want it to go. <laughs> yeah. The old and yeah, and then I'll go next year, and then I have nothing to do, nothing to worry about, except for just hanging out, <laughs> nothing yeah. hanging over my head at all. So if you don't go and you don't win, you're going to have to add on extra steps to that ritual every year. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> until until you win. That's right. I hope that you. If I could vote, guys, if I could vote, I would. Vote oh, for you. thank you. Oh, thanks, Steph. Yeah, I, I could also be the muscle by the voting box if you like. <laughs> you ha, has be our you, Connor. You, you yeah, we'll be <laughs> Connor. <laughs> yeah. I, could, I could be like, I'm sorry, who did you say that you voted for there? No, no, that's that's wrong. You misspelled the speakeasy. You misspelled it. <laughs> you spelled it W O N D R. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mercy, mercy from that guy. Uh, well, but you know what? I've been. I, I was just going to say the same thing that you're about to say. I, I was just thinking this is like one of the most fun shows. And not just because I missed the last couple, but it's just great talking with you, Stephanie. You're, you're a barrel of fun. And, uh, and so and I got a barrel, oh, of oh, and barrel of whiskey. <laughs> I, I did that for a reason. I'll let all Greg right, say that. Right. <laughs> I'll let Greg start back up what he was saying though. I was, well, I was saying that, uh, thank God this is over. No, I was say I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's always great to have you on. And if people wanted to know more about you and your exploits and everything you're doing with Irish whiskey, uh, where can they find that on the socials? Oh, um, so you can find me on Facebook. So it's Stephanie Shen and I put in brackets, Tuffy, T-U-F-F-I, because there's a fake Stephanie Shen out there. And a lot of my friends added her and kept inviting me to stuff. And they were like, wait a second, why didn't you reply to my invite? And it's like, that's not me. And some random stranger keeps accepting all these invites and she's getting (laughs) tagged in all of these photos of me. So I put in Tuffy afterwards. So, you know, it's me. Um, (laughs) But uh, if you're more of an Instagram person, then I'm on Instagram at Cocktail Shen, S-H-E-N. And if you're on TikTok, I'm too old for that. 
and and you're too young to be learning about whiskey so let's just (laughs) yeah i mean that's not to say that i i might not set one up in the future you know and after a couple of whiskeys i'll be like you know what i'm gonna take the plunge i'm gonna do it i still look young under the right lighting um but for right now i'm 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 you can find me on the owl instagram or on the owl facebook i'm still just on myspace you know like i i mean (laughs) <laughs> Me and Tom Do I still have Bebo? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, way back. Way back. That's that's even a deeper cut. Well, cool. This has been awesome, Steph. Um, thanks for coming out and talking to us about your. I, I congrats on the the role change. Uh, Thank you. And like I said before, it's like so much fun, isn't it? Like when you have all this excitement about your your entire book and the book is cool you know it's like you've yeah. got all these great things to work with it makes those presentations a lot more fun too when you're when you're making cocktails you're like oh well i can mix a few of these together you know in yeah. one cocktail so it's a lot of fun to work with the book and especially one as cool as this so thanks again for being on the show today uh can't wait to see you on the next cruise on the big boat um, <laughs> And if you say big boat, does that mean I can now say big boat also? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, yeah, so a boat is anything for shallow or non-lengthy transit. Uh, a ship is something for very deep or oceanic transit. That's that's, oh, your, real, official... that's your real difference. Oh, there's okay. official rules about the vessels on the sea. I'm a big I'm a big boat person. I see, I see. Oh, you've got that big boat energy. I see, I see. <laughs> All right, yeah. and we're canceled. Um yeah. <laughs> The murder right, didn't well, do it, no? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to murder lane now. All right. That's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many more programs like this one. And until next week, everyone, cheers. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Thanks so much. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. So you don't shun the devil with your rock. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.